bring you greetings from the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ and from the Lord Jesus Christ himself. I am the voice of one, crying in the wilderness of this world and life. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make straight a prepared path. Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. In our last broadcast, we spoke about overcoming and living above faith killers. We had the first part in our last broadcast and this broadcast will be the second part. We had looked at faith killers earlier on and we put them in three categories. Facts, which are hard evidence, things that we can see, things that we can handle, things that we can touch. They are with us, we see them. They are incontrovertible as far as the eyes are concerned. Yet, they weaken our faith because faith is based on the word of God, giving us the evidence of things not seen. So they tend to contradict what God is saying to us and we tend to believe them more because we can see them. Yet the Bible says that we walk not by sight but by faith. And so by admitting facts over the word of God, we are invariably weakening our faith and damaging, if not killing and destroying our faith completely. Then we spoke about feelings. Feelings are just our emotion and the way we think and we feel about something. And even without evidence, we tend to agree with it. Some people call it intuition. Some people say, well, that's how it comes to me. Once something comes to me like that, it always happens and things like that. And even though what God is saying is contrary to how they feel, people tend to believe their feelings because they've grown up with that sense of understanding that whatever they feel would come true and they end up in trouble. Of course, having damaged their faith and not believing God. And finally, we spoke of the flesh. The flesh is that nature of man that will always contradict God. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 8 that the carnal mind that is also the flesh is hostile to God, is not subject to God, can never be subject to God. And in Galatians chapter 5, verse 16 and 17, the Bible tells us that the flesh is contrary to the Spirit of God. If the Spirit of God says, go right, the flesh will say, go left. Whatever the Spirit of God says, the flesh will say the direct opposite. And so it is always contrary to God and always contradicts God. And therefore, the flesh seeks to weaken our faith towards God and destroy it completely. With that in view, we now began to talk about how do we then overcome these things which manifest as unbelief, doubt, fear, rational thinking, science, feelings, historical antecedents, and so on and so forth. So we set forth the way by which to overcome and live above these faith killers. We noted five things, defending ourselves against these faith killers, turning our gaze in the right direction, hearing what would boost our faith, having an understanding heart, and being in the spirit at all times. In our last broadcast, we looked at the first of these five, which is defending ourselves against faith killers. We noted that faith killers operate within the mind. After we are born again, which is the spirit man is born again, the mind now has to be brought under subjection to the spirit because the mind has always been over the spirit that is not regenerated. Now the spirit has been regenerated, the spirit must take its position of preeminence and bring the mind into subjection. This is done by the renewing of the mind through the word of God. As this is taking place, the mind is brought to the place where it can be subject to God. However, let's not forget that the mind has always been subject to the flesh, to feelings, and to facts. So it is a bit of a struggle for that to take place. However, as we train the mind, as we re-educate the mind, as we re-inform the mind, about the proper way to function as a believer, 
we are able to overcome these faith killers. We spoke of two important things in overcoming faith killers. Putting on the whole armor of God and the weapons of our warfare. In putting on the whole armor of God, we spoke about truth in the inward part, our salvation, our righteousness, preaching the gospel of peace at all times. We spoke about the shield of faith, the sword of the spirit with which to ward off attacks from the enemy, and of course, prayer. Then when we talk about the weapons of our warfare, the Bible says they are not carnal, they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. These weapons include the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, the word of God, instructions of God, the direction that God is given to us, and so on and so forth. It may seem to be infinitesimal, yet because it is coming from God, it is a mighty weapon. And finally, we mentioned the fact that we're able to overcome because we are of God because we are in Christ. Greater is he that is in you, a believer, than he that is in the world. And because of our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. So as long as we have our faith intact and we are resolute, we'll be able to overcome. The Bible tells us in First Peter chapter 5, I believe it's verse 8 and 9 or so, it says we need to resist Satan. And in James we are told that if we resist him, he will flee. The Bible says we should resist him steadfastly. And the way to resist Satan steadfastly is through our faith, by speaking constantly about what God has told us, regardless of what we see with our eyes. Sometimes it is as though we are reciting something, but essentially what we are doing is speaking out what it is that God has spoken to us concerning the matter that we have on the ground. So in our broadcast today, we shall take on number two and number three, which are focusing on the right direction and hearing words that would boost our faith. So let's jump into the second part, which is focusing on what or who really matters. Focusing on what or who really matters. Before we do that, let's take our scripture text, which we read in our last broadcast, Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20 to 27. Proverbs 4, verse 20 through to verse 27. My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ears to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. Put away from you a deceitful mouth, and put perverse lips far from you. Let your eyes look straight ahead, and your eyelids look right before you. Ponder the path of your feet, and let all your ways be established. Do not turn to the right or the left. Remove your foot from evil. Now when we look at verse 21 particularly, and verse 25, in the context of focusing on the right thing, focusing on what really matters. It says, do not let them, that is the word of God, when it says, incline your ears to my sayings, it says, do not let them depart from your eyes. Make the word of God your focus. Don't let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. You must retain them. It's not enough to just look at them, but you must retain them. You must capture them in your heart. The picture I can paint here is the picture of photography. Photography, especially when you have these high-powered lenses, you can focus on something to the exclusion of the things around it. When your lens is focused and trained on that item, everything around it becomes a blur, becomes immaterial, becomes something that you can easily ignore because of what you're focusing on. And so the Bible is saying to us here that we must focus on what really matters. 
to the exclusion of the other things around. So that when we are being shown a picture of something, say for example, through facts or science, but that thing that we are being shown a picture of is contrary to what God is saying. We should focus on the word of God and let those things that would have taken our attention become a blur. When that happens, we will be able to overcome the effect of faith weakness and faith killers, which want to draw our attention away from what God is saying onto what facts are presenting to us, what feelings are presenting to us, and what the flesh may be asking us to do. In verse 25, it says, let your eyes look straight ahead and your eyelids look right before you. In the last broadcast, we mentioned in 18th century, 19th century England, when they used horses on their streets, they had these eye guards for the horses. It made the horses not to be able to turn to the right or to the left, but to look straight ahead. That's the kind of thing that God is asking us to do here, to put watches as it were, on our eyes, on our spiritual eyes, such that all our eyes are trained on is what God is telling us, the direction that God is wanting us to go to. And we will easily overcome the distractions that faith killers bring because that's actually what they do. They distract us from focusing on God. You recall when the Lord Jesus Christ walked on water to go and meet with his disciples who were struggling with a storm at sea. And they were frightened and he said, no, it's me. Peter said to him, bid me to come if it is you. And the Lord said, come. And Peter got out of the boat and actually began to walk on water. However, he turned his gaze away from the Lord and began to look at the boisterousness of the sea. And it dawned on him that, wait a minute, I'm walking on water. And with that realization, he begins to sink. His faith at that point in time had been weakened. And he began to sink. And crying to the Lord, the Lord helped him. When he got into the boat, the Lord said, why did you doubt, O you of little faith? If Peter had kept his gaze on the Lord, he would never have seen the storm boisterous. He would never have seen something that would weaken his heart, something that weaken his resolve to walk on water. So we must get to the place where our focus is on one thing. And what is that one thing that we need to focus on? In Hebrews chapter 12 verse 2, Hebrews 12 verse 2, the Bible tells us that we should look unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. The Bible tells us that he focused on what his father was showing him, the many souls that would come as a result of what he was going to go through. And because of that, he despised the shame and went through the cross, being resolved and being resolute to ensure that the will and purpose of the father was accomplished. In the same way, when we've put our gaze on the Lord Jesus Christ, on the word of God, who he personifies, we discover that we are better able to accomplish the purpose, the will and the task of God without being distracted. Because you see, the things that would want to take our gaze away from the Lord bring distraction to our lives. And we must not encourage such things because the moment we put our eyes on those things that distract us, we are going to get into a terrain that we would not like ourselves. We would get into a terrain that would destabilize our faith and drive us into something that shouldn't even be. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 and verse 2, Colossians 3, verse 1 and 2 says, If then you were raised with Christ, and we were raised with Christ, we were raised with Christ. When we got born again, the Bible says that something happened in the spiritual. We were in Christ. It was as though we were with him at the cross when he died and he rose again, rising again to die no more. We also have risen in the spirit to a newness of life. So if indeed, he says, you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Our focus must be on Christ 
in the heavenly places. In verse 2, it says, set your mind, your mind, which we earlier mentioned, which is the battlefield, set that mind on things above and not on things on the earth. Set your mind, like the camera lens that we mentioned, put your focus on the things above. The Bible tells us that the things that we see, the things that are earthly, they are temporary, but eternal things are heavenly. They are the things that endure. They are the things that last. So we must remove our focus from this temporal realm and put it on the spiritual realm. If we are going to be able to overcome the weakness and killers of our faith, we must be resolved in putting our focus on what matters, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ and the Word of God. In Numbers chapter 21, verse 4 to 9, the Bible gives us the story of something that happened while Israel was in the wilderness. Then they, that is the Israelites, journeyed from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom, and the soul of the people became very discouraged on the way. And the people spoke against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no food and no water, and our soul loads this worthless bread. They're talking there about manna, God's provision. They began to call it worthless. They were now becoming discouraged. Why? Because they seem to be taking a longer journey. It seemed to be going on and on and on and on. The Bible tells us that hope deferred makes the heart to be sick. They were having a sickness in their heart, and suddenly the provision of God was becoming something that they loathed and called it useless bread. So the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they beat the people, and many of the people of Israel died. Therefore the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. So Moses prayed for the people. Then the Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole, and it shall be that everyone who is beaten, when he looks at it, shall live. So Moses made a bronze serpent, put it on a pole, and so it was. If a serpent had beaten anyone, when he looked at the bronze serpent, he lived. These people had rebelled against God. They had loathed what God had given to them, his own provision. And they began to speak against God and against his anointed. And as a result, fiery serpents, which were there actually, were now able to bite them. The Bible says, he that breaketh the hedge, the serpent will bite. They were protected. But the moment they began to grumble and to murmur, the hedge was broken by their actions and serpents began to bite them. And when they saw that they were being killed, they ran to Moses and said, please pray to God. We have offended him. Please beg him to remove the serpents. But God did not remove the serpents. He said, what did God do? God told Moses, you make a bronze image of the serpent, put it on top of a pole and take it to a place in the camp where all eyes can see. If a serpent should bite anyone, instead of looking at the bite and be groaning helter-skelter about how to deal with it, let them put their focus on that bronze serpent. If they put their focus on bronze serpent, they will live. And that was how God got them to be able to walk, as it were, by faith, even in the midst of disaster. So they did not focus on the bite. There were fiery serpents, meaning that the bite was painful and hurtful. They did not focus on the bite, the pain, and other things. Rather, they focused on what God wanted them to focus on. And in John chapter 3, verse 14 and 15, the Lord Jesus Christ made a statement says, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, that's referring to what we just read in Numbers 21. Even so, must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. So when we focus on the Lord Jesus Christ, we will live and not die. What faith killers want to do is to kill us. Once our faith is killed, there's nothing left. We are dead. But as long as our faith 
is active and alive and vigorous and vital and vibrant. There's nothing you can do. Remember, the goal of our faith, the objective of our faith is eternal life. And he says, that's why the Lord Jesus Christ said, if you look on me, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men to myself. As we focus on him, all these things will suddenly take a back seat. They will become things that do not mean anything to us. And what we are focusing on, the Lord, becomes the major issue as far as we are concerned. We focus more on him than the storms of life. The storms of life are always there. They will always be there. But we must put our focus on the Lord. We must remember one thing, that salvation, the promise of God's salvation, does not remove challenges from coming to us. Instead, it helps us in the challenges through Isaiah. The father said, when you go through the water, I will be with you. He's not saying you won't go through the water. He says that when you pass through the fire, I will be there. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego typified that for us. They went through the fire and Nebuchadnezzar himself witnessed it, that there was a fourth man with them in the fire. God was there in Isaiah 63 verse 7. The Bible tells us that in all our afflictions, he was also afflicted. Remember, whatever it is that you are going through, God is there with you. Don't think that you have been abandoned. He said, I will not leave you, neither will I abandon you. Therefore, we can say, what is it that man will do to us? In Psalm 34 verse 5, the Bible says, they looked to him and were radiant. Their faces were not when you put your focus on the right thing, when you put your focus on the Lord Jesus Christ, you will not be disappointed. You will not be ashamed. You will not be discouraged. He says, they looked, they were radiant. What would have been a casting down became a lifting up. They looked to him and they were encouraged. The Bible tells us about a time when David was so discouraged because the men that were with him wanted to stone him as a result of their wives and their families being captured and kidnapped and taken away by the Amalekites. But in all of that, David had nobody to turn to. And so he turned to the Lord. The Bible says David encouraged himself in the Lord. He made the Lord his focus. We must make the Lord Jesus Christ our focus. Otherwise, we are going to find ourselves in a situation where it will be nigh impossible to come out of something that we could easily have been able to overcome. Faith killers have a goal. The goal is to distract us and discourage us from focusing on God. We must also now understand that in order to be able to allow ourselves to function optimally with God, we must not take our gaze away from him. Acts chapter 7, the story of Stephen's death. Don't read from verse 54. When they heard these things, that's what Stephen had said, they were cut to the heart and they gnashed at him with their teeth. But he, being full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God and said, Look, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Then they cried out with a loud voice, stopped their ears and ran at him with one accord. They were disturbed. They were upset that he could say that he was seeing God. He was seeing the Lord Jesus in heaven. Who is this guy telling us that the person we crucified is in heaven and is the Son of God? Of course, they ran at him with one accord and they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul. And they stoned Stephen as he was calling on God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he knelt down and cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not charge them with this sin. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. You see, Christians don't die. Maybe this is an aside, but it's an important one because it will help your faith. If you ask for someone who is sleeping, you won't be crying. You know that it's going to wake up. So for the believer, you must understand that when another believer passes on, you may miss his 
presence. But it is not that he is gone to damnation. No, he's gone to be with the Lord. And so we just, most times we tend to rejoice because he's an older person. But even when he's young, we can rejoice. The Lord Jesus Christ, let's not forget, was a young man when he was crucified. He didn't live to be like Moses, who lived to 120. So it must not be a thing of sin that a young man passes on. As long as that man is walking with God, we can rejoice because he went to sleep. Back to the point. Stephen kept his focus on the Lord. His statement revealed that his focus was on the Lord. He said, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. That was his focus. That was his gaze. We must make that our focus. We must make that our gaze. That way we're able to overcome. When life's challenges come, we must turn our gaze onto the Lord Jesus Christ and onto his word. We must be able to say, Lord, what are you saying to us in this matter? What are you saying to us on this issue? What are your instructions to us concerning what we are going through at this time? Back to Proverbs chapter 4. We want to move on to discussing, hearing what would boost our faith rather than focusing on what will kill our faith. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20 to 22. My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. Retain them. Store them. For they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. In Joshua chapter 1 verse 8, the Bible says, This book of the law shall not depart from out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. The word of God must be kept within us, must be stored within us. The Bible says, Do not let them depart from your mouth. What is he saying there? Are we going to retain the word of God in our mouth? What he's saying is this. If you store the word of God in your heart, it is what is in your heart that will come out. I think we discussed this last week. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. So if you retain the word of God in your heart and you keep it there, when you want to speak, that is all that will come out. It is what is on the inside that will come out on the outside. I heard a very interesting story of a young man who took rotten eggs to church and began to pellet the elders who were sitting at the altar. And the first one hit one of the elders and that elder began to curse. And when he saw that it aggravated the elder, he got encouraged and pelleted a second elder. And the second elder said, glory be to God. The elder who was cursing turned to the elder who was blessed and said, how can you, can't you smell the rottenness of this egg and the stupidity of this boy? How can you be saying glory be to God? And the elder who was blessing rather than cursing said to the elder who was cursing, it is what is in me that is coming out. It is what is in you that would come out. If you store the word of God in your heart, that is all that will come out of your mouth. But if what you are storing are the words of fact, the words of feelings, the words of the flesh, that's all that is going to come out of your mouth. The Bible tells us in Galatians chapter 5, I believe 19 to 21, the works of the flesh. The works of the flesh are manifest because that fellow is being led by the flesh. If the flesh is leading you, you can only but engage in adultery, in fornication, in homosexuality, in lasciviousness, dressing in wrong manners, being misled by the world, and saying that we are being contemporary. We get into rages and violent bursts of anger that we can even kill people. The truth of the matter is that many believers are not allowing the word of God to change them. Their mind is not being transformed by the agency of the word of God and the spirit of God in them. We must get ourselves to that place. Otherwise, we're going to be in trouble. In Psalm 1, 
from verse 1 through to verse 3. The Bible says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he does shall prosper. True prosperity, which is the possession of the Spirit of God to the place where you have peace in your heart, comes as a result of the Word of God being operational in our lives. When we teach on prosperity gospel, we turn the gaze of people to the world, to temporal things, to things that cannot last. We're not about crowd pulling in Christendom. We're about pulling people to God. We're about turning people to God. We're about turning people's eyes in the direction of God. Going back to Psalm 1. He said, blessed is the man that does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly. The counsel of the ungodly is not just the counsel of ungodly men. It could also be supposed godly people giving ungodly counsel. There are many messages that are ungodly counsel and people are imbibing those things and their faith is being damaged. Not only is he not walking in the counsel of the ungodly, he does not stand in the path of sinners. You won't find him where sinners are moving around the pathway of sinners, which is a path that leads to death. He doesn't walk along that path. He's found in the path of life. And finally says, nor does he sit in the seat of the scornful. People who are scorning God, he now sits down, settled, and is beginning to laugh with them, laugh at their jokes and all those silly things. No, he doesn't do that. You would note also, if you look at verse 1, a progressive step downwards. First, he's walking. Then he's standing. Finally, he's sitting comfortably. But he says, blessed is the man that doesn't do those things. Rather, his delight is in the law of the Lord. The law of the Lord, that is the word of God, is his focus. Not just his focus, his desire, his delight, his joy. And then it says, on that law, he meditates day and night. He makes it the area of his focus. What he meditates on, what is going through his mind, every time is what is the Lord saying. And then he begins to chew on it, ruminate on it, imbibe it into his spirit man, until he and the word of God one. He says that man shall be like a tree that is planted by the rivers of water. In a drought, he is not going to be complaining. He'll be able to recite and say, even in a famine, the Lord will sustain me. If we are going to boost our faith and overcome and live above faith killers, the word of God is primary, is paramount. Even when we talk of looking unto Jesus, we are looking unto his word because Jesus is the word of God personified. We look onto the word of God. Our faces are lighting. Our faces are radiating. Like Stephen's face radiated. The Lord made a very interesting statement when he was speaking about the parable of the sower and the disciples asked him and said, why is it that you speak to these people in parables? Matthew chapter 13, from verse 13 to 16, this is the Lord's response. Therefore, I speak to them in parables because seeing they do not see and hearing they do not hear nor do they understand. And in them, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled, which says, Hearing you will hear, I shall not understand. And seeing you will see, and not perceive. For the heart of these people have grown dull. Their ears are hard of hearing, and their eyes they have closed. Lest they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears. Lest they should understand with their hearts, and turn, so that I should heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they What's he saying there? If these people that the Lord is talking about had an understanding heart, if they could see, put their focus on God and hear, listen to the word of God, they would have repented long ago and I would have turned and healed their land. You see, when we do not make the word of God our focus, we will be saying things that have no bearing. There is no lawyer 
no attorney, no legal practitioner that goes to the court of law speaking the words that they say on the streets. Their focus is what does the law say? That is what the judge is going to listen to. What is in the law? You don't go to God making statements that have no bearing on the word of God. It's not going to change anything. However, when you say, but Lord, it is written. When you are talking to Satan also, if you don't quote the word of God, you will not be able to defeat him. If you are busy quoting maxims that have no bearing on the word of God, you will not be able to defeat him. Everybody now wants to have a cliche or a maxim or quotes. Many of these quotes have no bearing on the word of God, no basis in Christ, yet they want to be quoting them. And as people are reciting those things, they discover that it's not helping them. Why? It's not the word of God. They are hearing things that's not going to boost their faith. They are hearing things that's actually helping their faith to be dampened, to be weakened, and to be killed. Let's turn our eyes onto the Lord. Let's hear his word. Let's focus on that word. Let's pay attention to that word. Let's make it our own word. When we were not born again, we heard so many things from school. We heard so many things from our parents. We heard so many things from society, from our peers, from our friends. We've read newspapers and so on. So our minds have been filled with all these things. This is how to succeed. This is how to do this. This is how to do that. And we had all those how-to and things like that. But now we are born again. Those things should no longer govern the way we live. Our life should not be governed by the word of God. So what must we do? We must push those things out and refill our hearts with the word of God. If you take a cup of black coffee and keep it under running water, over time, the blackness of the coffee begins to give way to a lightness until all you have is clean water. And as long as you keep it there, after a while, even the smell of coffee is completely eliminated. That is what must happen to you and I. We must put ourselves under the running tap of the word of God. Being renewed on a daily basis by the word of God. The word of God must push out all those things that we grew up with. All those things that the world is telling us to do. We must flush them out and have what God is saying to us in there. It must not just be brought in. It must be retained. We're not talking of cramming. No, we're talking of something that is retained within us so that at the slightest, we know what God is saying. We can make a statement. When Satan says something, we can say, it is written. That was how the Lord Jesus overcame temptation because of what was written. In Mark chapter 4, verse 24, the Lord said to his disciples at the time, he was speaking about that parable. This is Mark's version, but after the parable as written by Mark, he says, take heed what you hear. With the same measure you use, it will be measured to you. And to you who hear, more will be given. Take heed. Be careful. Pay attention to what you are hearing. The way you are hearing is how it will flow in your life. If you are a careless hearer, you are going to be careless in the way you handle spiritual things. And we're talking of hearing the word of God here. Remember, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So we are speaking of the word of God. We're not speaking of some strange thing now. How are you hearing the word of God? A similar thing is mentioned in Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter 8 verse 18, still a continuum on the parable of the sower, but this is Luke's version of the events. Luke 8, 18. It says, therefore, take it how you hear, for whoever has, to him more will be given, and whoever does not have, even what he seems to have, will be taken Away. When you have the word of God, more will be given to you. But when you are a careless hearer, when you are not focusing on the word of God, even that which you have will be taken away from you. Matthew 13 verse 12 it says, For whoever has, to him more will be given, and he will have abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. So we must make the word of God a pivot when we're talking of dealing with faith killers. 
faith killers want to make us to turn our gaze on facts, on what men are saying, on what the scientists are saying, on what experts are saying, over what God is saying. Our goal must be to put the word of God above every other thing. When we hear a word, what is the Lord saying? We must be very, very careful about politicians who are carrying the Bible, pumping the Bible, and even making quotations of the Bible where their lifestyle does not reflect what is being said. So the Lord is saying, be careful how you hear. Be careful what you are hearing. Don't be a careless hearer. Don't be somebody who will hear the word of God and discard it. The attention you pay to hearing is going to determine how you live your life on the earth. In James chapter 1, verse 19, James writes by the Spirit of God, says, So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. Let every man be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to get angry, but be quick in receiving from the Lord. In Ecclesiastes chapter 5, the first verse, the Bible says, Walk prudently when you go to the house of God, and draw near to hear rather than to give the sacrifice of fools, for they do not know that they do evil. When you go to the house of God, or when you are studying the Bible, don't go there to just pick something that you want to quickly use. No, go there to sit down quietly and hear what God is saying. It's important that you hear what God is saying. If God is saying something and you are not hearing, you are going to act contrary to the word of God. If you continue in verse 21 of James chapter 1, it says, Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. The word of God is to be received with meekness. That is how we hear, with meekness, the word that is able to to save our souls. A similar thing is said in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 1 and 2. It says, Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking, the things that do not allow us to live the word of God as we ought to live. He said, laying aside those things, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. The word of God is what makes you to grow as a Christian. You don't grow as a Christian because you go to church. You don't grow as a Christian because you have been a Christian for years. No! If you have not been growing by the word of God, then it is useless. Your so-called years as a Christian is of no use. You are still a baby. If we go back to James chapter 1, in verse 22 to 25, it says, But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. This is the crux of the matter. It's not just hearing, but doing. My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ears to my sake. Do not let them burn from your eyes. Store them in your heart. What is he saying there? He's saying, be a doer of my word. Not just a hearer, but a doer. So in verse 22 of James 1, it says, But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man. Man, observing his natural face in a mirror, for he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. This one will bless in what he does. We are blessed in what we do because of the word of God that we are heeding. So how have you been hearing the word of God? Have you been hearing the word of God with a view to doing it or just to hear it? When you hear the word of God that says, all things are passed away, behold, all things have become new. There are some things that, for example, those your robes of your cult meetings that you used to attend, you must grab them and burn them off. You don't need to keep them in your home. Those are decanters that you use in serving brandy. Throw them away. You don't need them. If indeed you are new and you don't intend to go back, those books on witchcraft, those Lobsamranka books that you used to have, you must burn them off. The Bible tells us in Ephesus, when they saw the power of God, they brought their witchcraft books, many books, 
and bondage, run into millions of naira in today's currency. We must be able to act in line with what the word of God is saying. When you hear something that is contrary to God and God tells you what to do, you just do what God says you should do. That way you overcome what you're being encouraged to do by facts, feelings, or the flesh when you focus on what God tells you to do. So it's important that our hearing must boost our faith. The only thing that can boost your faith, which you will hear, is the word of God. So what time you find yourself depressed, discouraged, in despair, turn your face to the word of God. Go into the word of God and say, Lord, what is your word for me in this situation? Faith will arise in you. You will be boosted in your faith and you can move forward and do whatever it is that God wants you to do. Faith cometh by hearing the word of God, a message from Christ, the message of Christ, a message about Christ. That must be the focus. When you hear, for example, somebody goes to the hospital and the doctor says, I give you three weeks to go. Lord, what are you saying? If the Lord does not say anything, then start preparing. But if the Lord says to you, don't worry, you have about 30 years to go. Discard what the doctor has said. The symptoms will be there. But what is it that God has said? That should be your focus. Don't focus on the symptoms. Don't say, oh, the pain is coming the way the doctor said. Oh, this is happening. And then you start fidgeting. What those symptoms are doing, those are the feelings. They are dampening your faith. You must strain your focus on the word of God to the exclusion of the symptoms. The symptoms are there. You are feeling heady. You are feeling shaky. What time those things are coming? Just go back to God and focus on him in the place of prayer. Focus on his word. Lord, you have said this to me. And I believe it. I'm holding on to that word. That is your faith towards God. Sometimes these things come to prove you. Not whether you're holding on to God or you're holding on to what you are feeling. So far, based on what we've discussed from last broadcast, we've spoken about defending ourselves from faith killers through the weapons of our warfare and the whole armor of God that we put on. Things like faith, the word of God, directions, instructions from God, and so on and so forth. We've spoken on putting our gaze on the Lord Jesus Christ, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, looking unto the word of God, making it our focus. Spoken about hearing the word of God, making the word of God the prime thing that we are going to listen to, not what men are saying, not what the circumstances are saying, but what God is saying. Whenever we face any situation, we must turn to God and say, Lord, what are you saying about this situation? And what we're saying to God, what are you saying in this situation? We are not talking of something that because you asked now, you will hear something immediately. Sometimes, yes. But there are times when you keep asking. There are things that I've asked from the Lord that I've not heard for five years. Then in the fifth or sixth year, I begin to hear. Sometimes it is because we are not able to absorb what it is that God wants to explain to us. So what does God do in the interim? He gives us instructions. He says, don't worry, do it this way. If you are not ready to carry out instructions from God without a reason for carrying it out, you are not ready to follow God. More often than not, obedience to the word of God is blind. We do it, not having any reason for why we are doing what we are doing. We just know that God said that we should do it this way and we do it that way. By the way, you don't need to explain to anybody. You don't need to defend it. Just put your focus on it. Until we meet again, I want to encourage you to make sure that you have your whole armor on. Make sure that the weapons of your warfare, which is the word of God, the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, the instructions of God are firmly in your hands. Make sure that your focus is on God and heavenly things. Make sure that you are hearing the word of God, not just hearing, but you are heeding it. It's not enough to hear. You must also hear. Remember that you must hear the word of God with meekness. Not with argument, not with debates, not with strife. And at the end of the day, you will be an overcomer. You will overcome the faith killers that want to dampen 
weaken and destroy your faith. You will overcome them and you cast them aside where they themselves are overcome and destroyed. You will rise, growing towards God in faith. Remember we have said, it's not enough to go to God in faith. We must also grow towards God in faith. And until next week, God bless you and goodbye.